Today on the Zabecast, was it the greatest college football game ever? I say yes, and you people say, you crazy. Well, I don't care. Tide versus Dogs was one for the ages. I'll make my case with our guest, Drew Olson of the Big 920 in Milwaukee. He'll also weigh in on the Packers' new front office power structure. All that and the LeVar Ball chickens are coming home to roost. You got a half an hour to kill, then buckle up and let's go! It is Tuesday, Jan 9, 2018, and Alabama is the national champs yet again. Alabama is, Alabama are. Roll damn tide. Nick Saban, the Nictator, they do it again in a game that was packed with incredible, unbelievable plays and storylines. I loved it. I know that you people that follow me on Twitter are already saying you got carried away, prisoner of the moment. Not even the best game this year. Last week's game in the Rose Bowl was better. Hey, to each his own. Everyone can have their own favorites. I just think this had so much drama. And I'm always a sucker for the narrative of the Cinderella, the phenom, the kid out of nowhere that comes in to save the day, which is what the case was with this uh, Tua Vaiatayaloa. I, I got to get these Hawaiian names better because uh, Tua Tagovailoa. And I think I've heard the name Tagovailoa, Tauvailoa, where the G is silent. Tauvailoa. Either way, double T, two a T. The Hawaiian slinger, whatever you want to call him, he's going to quickly become a household name in sports. All right, before we get to Drew Olson, our guest, because we're going to spend most of our time today with Drew going over the game and going over the Packers' new front office structure, Two things real quick. Number one, hallelujah. We are on Libsyn, finally. Yes. I am on the distribution network for all things podcast, and I have submitted my podcast for approval from the lords at iTunes, and the lords have said, you have been blessed. So yes, this show, the Zabecast, your extra 30 to 40 minutes of me, is now on iTunes. So search for it on iTunes, and please subscribe And download and auto-download and binge listen at your heart's content and tell two friends and they can tell two friends. And let's grow this thing and keep it going because I'm definitely having fun doing it. I'm glad that I'm now able to distribute through all of the normal channels. And I do believe that in addition to iTunes, this is getting blurted out via Libsyn to all the other platforms. uh, Google Play and Stitcher and Slacker and maybe Spotify. I don't know. They're coming on board. Whatever the case, look for it wherever podcasts are sold. Well, you're not charging for this. No, I'm not charging for this. Jesus, settle down. Not yet, at least. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm kidding. Kidding, 5991. Uh, What? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, this LeVar Ball stuff that's bubbling up is hilarious. It's so delicious. It is so well-deserved for the dummy-ass Lakers. And Magic Johnson, bless his smiling heart, that he has been hoodwinked by this megalomaniacal, narcissistic scam artist, LeVar Ball. That when they drafted his kid, who's a good player, I'll grant him that, really good passer, can rebound a bit, I don't see how he's ever going to be a difference maker in the NBA, but I'm not an NBA head. I'm not super hardcore in that regard, so I might be missing the boat on this. Uh, His kid's all right. 
but they took him with LeVar Ball telling Magic Johnson, oh, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. This whole, this is all an act. I had to get my kid over. This is all marketing. Once you guys draft him, we be cool. And sure enough, they're not being cool. And the Bar Ball family, especially Papa Ball, is causing all kinds of havoc. And he's given interviews to ESPN saying the team has turned against Luke Walton, which, by the way, may or may not be true. But truth is really not the ultimate defense here. It's the fact that you know, LeVar Ball has an ability to talk to ESPN and just get it completely into the bloodstream, whatever he wants, disruptive or not, about the Lakers because he is the Kardashian of basketball. And this has rubbed a number of coaches the wrong way to the point where Rick Carlisle sounded off, Steve Kerr sounded off, I believe uh, Jeff Van, not Jeff Van Gundy, the other Van Gundy, the fat Van Gundy with a mustache, uh, with the Pistons. He said he's not going to participate with ESPN. He's not going to cooperate with ESPN next time they come to do a game. He won't do pregame. He won't do halftime. <gasps> Ooh, Van Gundy stiffs ESPN. I'm not sure that's going to stop them from actually talking to LeVar Ball. And I'm not sure even if ESPN did lose LeVar Ball's number that the next time LeVar Ball wants to rock the boat just a bit on Luke Walton or the Lakers that he won't be able to do it via some other outlet. It's also funny that the Better Business Bureau gave the big baller brand an F grade for customer service. The BBB slammed the BBB. <laughs> and, of course, LeVar Ball's like, B- the Better Business Bureau, I thought they were out of business themselves. Like, don't we all use Yelp nowadays? And he pointed to his Yelp status as saying, see, they love us on Yelp. We're good. I can't believe they're selling many shoes. Some of the anecdotes I've seen from media members who have bought a pair of shoes have said they are the biggest pieces of shit you've ever seen. They are flimsy. They're a joke. Uh, a number of pl- people that ordered them said, this is not the model I ordered. This is a different design. Uh, some have said, this is the wrong size. And you'd say, uh, hello, customer service. And you have to email them and say, uh, you gave me a size 13. I'm a size 10 and a half. Can you please fix this? You'll get an email back for like a week. There's no number to call. There's nowhere you can return it. Uh, good luck if you bought the uh, big baller brand shoes. But it's just funny that the Better Business Bureau, the BBB, slammed BBB. Pretty damn funny. All right, let's talk about last night's game, shall we? The headset's off. Both freshmen were sacked in overtime, but this one may be a huge hole to dig out of. It's going to be second and 26. Wow. What a play. Ledbetter, Bellamy, and the That's game. just freshmen in a big moment making a big mistake right there. All the way back to the 41. Tua launches it downfield. Wide open! He did it! He did it! He did it! That is good! That is good! Smith! I'm going to live! I'm going to live! Punch! Punch it for The border yet again today, the border being the border of Wisconsin and Illinois, which is really the only border that matters, to talk to our friend Drew Olson from the Big 920 in Milwaukee. What's up today, Drew Dog? Oh, still recovering from that uh, 
hellacious championship game last night, Zabe. God, I got to tell you, man, I am so friggin' happy that I don't do mornings anymore, like super <laughs> early mornings, like on the old SB Nation radio show, because I couldn't stay up until 12.15 Eastern time and then turn around and then be coherent at 6 a.m. sharp the following morning, and that was a game worth staying up for. And that's the kind of game, as a former sports writer, as a recovering sports writer, I say, it'd be great to be there, but you can't turn that around. You can't make any sense out of that on ridiculous deadlines. Um, Oh, you wouldn't make the Bulldog edition, as they say in the old (laughs) business. Good good point. What What was the Bulldog edition? The Bulldog edition goes to the nether reaches. Like in Milwaukee, the Bulldog edition would go to northern Michigan. You know, that was the that, that, the the first edition of that day's paper. A lot of times it's, uh, you know, they, they would do a Sunday Bulldog that they put together on Friday afternoon and they'd sell it on Saturday so people could get the ads early. Uh, you know, so it was like, it's just the earliest bare bones, you know, not breaking. Just freezing cold takes would be it now. <laughs> freezing, freezing cold <laughs> takes is the essentially the, the bulldog printed edition. version of freezing cold takes. Okay. Speaking of takes and cold takes, hot takes. I, I was besieged last night with people that were incredulous that I instantly declared this the greatest college game ever and put it ahead of the vaunted USC-Texas game in the Rose Bowl. Now, I understand. I do get carried away, and I might have had a few Jameson and Diets in me at the moment that I tweeted that. But I was genuinely moved by the game for this particular reason, Drew. To me, the story of the unknown Cinderella coming in to save the day is one of the great sports archetypes of all time in any sport of any age, and that's what we had last night. I totally agree. Plus, you factor in that the quarterback on the other side was a freshman. Exactly. Right. He was a freshman, but at least he had been a known entity because he took over after, what, the first game of the year and and guided this team to this pinnacle. This kid, Tua Tayavua Tuavua Tugubalabagaba, Kapa'a'a or Kapa'a'a? I don't know. I'm on Waimea, one of the great lines from Honeymoon in Vegas. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa. This kid apparently, Drew, was known amongst the recruiting heads out there and the fivestarrivals.com crowd. Like, they'd known about this kid. They're like, oh, this kid from Hawaii, he's unbelievable. He's going to Alabama, and he's off the charts, right? They had known about him. But for the rest of us, we're like, who the fuck is this kid? Who the fuck is number 13, a lefty, from Hawaii who Nick Saban is now bringing in to save his ass in the national championship game? Incredible. Am I right about that? Yeah, and it begs a deeper question if you're going to do a deeper dive. Why the fuck wasn't this kid playing all year? That's enough. (laughs) Saban's a genius. Why wasn't this kid playing all year? Because you know why? This time last year he was playing against Hawaiian kids in high school. Yes, but. And and you think Jalen Hurts, he took him right to the – pinnacle right to the mountaintop last year and just got toppled by a slightly better more experienced version of him uh in Deshaun Watson who's a four-year senior and you go okay and and here was Jalen Hurts having taken him back again 26 and 2 as a starter of course that's why you're not going to start this kid number 13 but to put him in down 13 nothing that took the balls of a guy with five trophies already in the case I agree and then but then the kid showed monstrous huevos too oh unbelievably so like i always love as they you know the camera zooms in tight to people's faces you know players faces whether whatever sport football or baseball i love it i love the tight baseball shot in the playoffs i don't oh, know, love like, that do you like that shot? Yeah, yeah fox pioneered that man it's great yeah. 
Yeah, where you're you're like you're trying to crawl into the head of a reliever. Like, what's he thinking right now? Well, his eyes don't show anything, but I bet that brain's going a million miles a minute. Yeah. So they're zooming in on this kid's face, and he's looking calm as all get out. You know, Saban is yelling at him as he yells at everybody. And after every little mistake, with no understanding of, oh. hey man, he's a freshman. Okay, he's but gonna make the mistakes. glaring mistake of letting the play clock run down and stuff. Oh and yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> he's Saban was gonna assassinate him on the field. And, and yet, after that, after the you have to after Tua let the play clock wind down way too low, and Saban's all pissed off. What does the kid do? He pats Nick <laughs> Saban amazing. on the ass. That was amazing. First God, of all, great. can can we just? Just back up from the football stuff. How about just culturally a kid from Hawaii moving to Alabama? Oh, yeah. The, just the shock of that. Oh, yeah. And they talk about how his family is all working on how we're going to move there and be part of this now and, and all the logistics of it. It's incredible. It, it, it's just it's the greatest story ever. And so to me, the story of the game last night, coupled with everything else that happened, I think vaulted over Texas USC, but I'm now going to have to Drew go back and watch oh. at least a highlight condensed version of Texas how, USC. How, how dare you? And you might as well be saying that LeBron's better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> I know it. It reeks of hot takery and it reeks of prisoner of the moment. And I get all that. Yeah, but, but at some point, as fans, we have to be able to let go and to put new, shinier things on the top shelf of our sports fandom collection of baubles. That's I, all I'm saying. I'm with you. It's worth consideration, and with the backstory, and with the kicker. I mean, who oh, would you rather kicker. be today? Uh, the the kicker, who the, the Greek kid, who the, the season ticket holder, Papa Fuckadakalis, whatever his name is. Um, Papa Fuckadakalis. <laughs> Papa, Papa Shankabolikus. Would you rather be him or Jalen Hurt, the guy, the quarterback who was benched? Who feels oh, better when see. they get okay. that championship ring? All right, let's try to figure this out. Who would you rather be? I would say you'd rather be Jalen Hurts because there's still a chance for redemption. Hell, he might transfer. Who knows, right? Hey, Wisconsin will take him. <laughs> right. You're like, ooh, ooh, I'm raising my hand. We'll take him. He might transfer. He might still be the starter next year. Uh, Tua might get hurt. Who knows yeah, what Tua might have so, had his moment. He might, be a, he might be the right said Fred of college football, right, the right. one-hit wonder. Right. No, uh, he's got a future. This kid, Papadopoulos, that poor bastard, his life will never be as good as it was prior to missing those two kicks in the national championship True. game. He can't even show that ring around as he's well, operating his Euro joint down there in Tuscaloosa, you know, because that's what he's going to be doing, although he'd probably be a stockbroker and make millions of dollars, right? Like probably. Like all of these ex-guys. He can't show that ring because everyone's going to go, yeah, you had nothing to do with it. You almost fucked it up for uh, us. Unbelievable. And now, okay, so he was in the crosshairs and the entire country, the hearts were breaking for him. It's like, oh, I almost hope Alabama wins so he doesn't have to wear this and get death threats and stuff, right? Well, my heart wasn't breaking, Drew. My stomach was churning. I was literally sick. I was like, this is too cruel for any kid to have to go through. For his like, whole life, yeah. Yeah, for his whole He's life. He's going to be Ralph Branca. Right. We're talking about fans who will poison oak trees of their rival out of spite because they lost the game. No doubt. How no do you doubt. think a, a, a pretty boy Greek kicker who fucked up is going to fare trying to live the rest of his life down there? Yeah, there's no Not way. Good. Uh, so, But then you had that. But then the Georgia cornerback 
who got singed on that last play. Now, the safety was coming over to help. He got looked off, and it, he was the guy that's in the shot chasing the receiver. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't him. It was the cornerback that just got smoked. And that guy, I don't even know his name. I didn't even, I, no one mentioned it. He's not wearing it, but he lost and fucked up just as badly as that kicker did. He did. Although, you know, there's a couple things. Some would say that he assumed he had over the top safety help, which I always wonder well, you're one on one with a guy. Whether you have safety help yeah. or not. Why are you giving up? Run! Just keep running! He gave up sakes. with like five yards. He got yeah. beat by five yards. Okay, so there's that. So we don't know exactly how you're supposed to play that coverage, whether you're supposed to fall off and hand off your receiver to it's, somebody else. It's, we don't, it's supposed to be the easiest coverage to play. Like, you stay with yeah, your guy and then... It's easy until a kid yeah. beats you badly on it. The other thing is, as I watched the replay of that game-winning touchdown, it looked like the receiver had duped him by doing kind of a slow release. And it was second and 16, so he might have been thinking, all right, they're not going to try to go for a shot here. Yeah. He's, they're going to try to go for some like a hard in-breaking slant, so I'm not going to go full speed right away. And all of a sudden, that kid just put on the That's burners, right. and he was gone. Oh, and another sub story is that the kid who caught the pass was a freshman too, right? Exactly. So it's freshman everywhere. All these guys are so fast today, too. I mean, uh, this kid Hardman Jr., he runs like the fucking wind. He looks to me like Deshaun Jackson in the college so, game. He just so fast, he takes your breath away. And I don't know if they measure this across the board. Like, who was the breathtaking burner in the Texas-USC game? Vince Young, Reggie Bush. But, I mean, talking I mean, wide receiver. Oh, wide I'm receiver. talking oh. like a 160-pound bullet Yeah, that you literally can run with. I don't know if there was one. And I think the state of the art, I think training, I think football camps and coaching and kids' dedication to the sport, it's gotten 12 years better since 2006. I agree. I agree. Now, let's pull back a little bit because for a while last night, that game was not going to go into the pantheon of all-time greats. No, there was mistakes. But every – see, here's the other thing, too. Like, people say, oh, there's mistakes and there's interceptions. Every bad play sometimes is the result of a good defensive play. Am I right about that? Yes. So so unless you're a guy who wants to be armchair coach who's like, oh, I graded the film already, yeah. and uh, I noticed uh, 16 MAs, and I noticed uh, five mental errors, and you know, MAs missed assignments. See, now I'm talking like a coach. You sound player. like a coach, yeah. yeah. You're breaking down your Madden film now. <laughs> you're rewatching a Madden game and breaking it down. Oh, well, by the way, speaking of that, real quick, sidebar. So we have in our market – a young guy who uh, used to be at our station. He's now at the other station. And he is a, he's a good, earnest, hardworking kid who is now fashioning himself as a media film breakdown guy. Never played at any high level of football. Was not a coach. Was not a scout. He's like 28 years old. And he is now doing these extensive film breakdowns using the all-22s. Oh, boy. That you can get on Game Pass. What is your general thought on something like that? You can do it, but you better do it well. And you can do it, and there will be an audience for it. Sure. but Like, wow, that's really insightful. Good job. But what's the big but? The big but is, I don't know what the ceiling is for it, and 
It, does he? What's the end game? Does he want to ah. be hired by a team? Right. Because that ain't <laughs> right, happening. Exactly. Yeah. What's the end game and what's the point? Because the big but is no matter how right you are about, well, this is cover four quarters and uh, the safety here didn't read off his guy. And that's the, you know, you can do all that and you can be dead right, dead nuts right. But at the end of the day, the yeah but is, well, who the fuck are you? Yeah, exactly. Like, where do you coach? Like from the from people, your basement. People, so who's going to respect you? They're not going to respect you in the in the buildings. In the, right. People want to know what's your credibility. What is your underpinning? What is your, you know? Well, I got Twitter followers. Be. I got Instagram followers. Come on, I'm breaking yeah. it down for you. Plus, so much of the stuff we don't know because we don't know how certain coverages are played. We don't know certain tendencies. You'd literally have to be in the meeting rooms prior to the game to say, and, well, here's how we're playing our particular flavor of cover two in second and long and situations. that's why we watch because the guy can have almost perfect coverage. He turns his hips a, a split second early and there's a window and you, right. you watch these catches and especially in NFL games, every catch is contested to the nth degree and guys are just a millimeter away from getting a finger on it, but they, they squeeze the ball into the window. That's why we watch. Yeah, there was also there was several really awesome catches last night, and there was also several near catches. Uh, Ridley had a near catch in the end zone that I thought if he had held on to that, it would have been the sickest catch I've seen this side of Calvin Johnson. But yeah. it wasn't. But, but it, it wasn't all here. worked out in the end. I Let, think you you mix all this into the stew of great game, great game, and I'm talking the big narrative of here's the boss bully of college football, Alabama, getting their face smashed in right. Yeah. They're in deep shit. They're down 13 nothing, and Nick Saban throws his empty gun with no bullets at Georgia in the form of this quarterback change, and it starts to work. But then it doesn't work. And then they've got a chance to win on a kick, and then, oh, no, he didn't. You're fucked. And then they go to overtime, and, and Georgia looks like they're screwed because they take a huge sack, and then their kicker with these stupid glasses hits a bomb 51-yarder. to like, oh. oh, no, Alabama is so in trouble now. And then they get the sack, and Nick Saban loses his mind. You're like, that's it. They're done. It's over. Georgia's going to win. And the very next play, 41-yard dart for a touchdown. Just, it, there's too just, much reversals of, oh, my God, you're dead. No, you're dead. You're was, dead. I don't think Texas – USC had that, but I'm going to yeah. have to go back and watch. You got to go back. Here comes that ace on the river right there. You know, it's like, boom. But here's <laughs> right. the thing, and I will expose and admit to my freezing cold takes, Abe, and I feel this way sometimes with the NCAA basketball tournament. When you get to the championship game, the tournament, the the good part of it is over and it's lost juice. And that the championship my, game is often not as good. Yes, and it's like it's it's often like okay, here we are, and it's almost like okay, we're gonna we're gonna see this through to the end, and you kind of force yourself to to watch and try to get half excited about it. And then last night, I was redeemed in the end because it was incredible, like you've been saying. But isn't there something to that, especially for a lot well, of the I country with Alabama, Georgia playing each other? And well, I think what you're talking about is I think you've got some FOMO in there, the fear of missing out. You're already pre-baking into your emotions. The fear of after this game, there's no more college well, football for a long, long that time. That might be it, so but you I know just, you're going to miss out. You don't think that's part of it? I just think that well, a lot of times there's fatigue. People in the NCAA tournament, the basketball tournament, people lose. It loses juice when your bracket's busted, and it's like okay, and you get to the final four, and those games are cool on Saturday. And then you know who's in the championship game, and then just somehow it just loses some sizzle. It doesn't. I know it's the culmination, but it doesn't feel that way. The the, the Super Bowl always feels like the destination. But a lot of you times, you feel like the final four is a letdown. I feel uh, sometimes I do, yeah. In okay. the championship game, especially specifically the championship game, and in football too. Like we had such a great Rose Bowl. You didn't feel that way though when Wisconsin was in the final four and in the championship game, did you? In college basketball, definitely not. No, okay. but well, but so when you're neutral you like this, and you're the so rest you're just of the being country, is all you're being. Well, uh, in a way, but I just 
it, there's something there, there's some kind of sizzle there's Maybe something there's missing fatigue Duke I think in Carolina and Kentucky fatigue. I think it's just fatigue, four. fatigue. I think it's just fatigue, fatigue from the just well, you know. Maybe you need a better nap. Drool. You're saturated with the you know, and like I, maybe it's just Alabama fatigue. They're they're Duke. They're okay. Let's talk about Alabama fatigue because it's real for a lot of people. Well, fuck! There's if the Badgers of- had made the tournament, they wouldn't have been in it. If what the Badgers mean? had beaten Ohio State, Alabama wouldn't have been there, and they wouldn't have been there to win the national championship. That is true. Now, Which, can you can you see your Badgers beating either one of those teams last night in a championship game? Honestly, no. I can see them playing yeah, tough, and if they played either. ten times, they'd lose eight. Yeah, I just you know. I look at the I look at the depth and the caliber of athletes on both teams, and Kirby Smart's got it going over there at Georgia, and I'm like, fuck yeah. these dudes are and, all and it's not to say savages. They're sick, yeah, and I'm not going to say like you know the Badgers they roughed up Miami, and Miami's a good team, and Miami's sure. the same second tier. They're second tier below right. that tier. So if they played ten times, I think the Badgers would lose yeah. eight a ten. I think the the strength of the Alabamas and Georgias out there is that they'll play three or four freshmen in a title game and not miss a beat. That's I mean, true. Alabama lost yeah. their, left, their left tackle last well, night, and a yeah, freshman came but, in. He's like, but you got who do I block? Five-star guys on the, you know, they got Parade All-Americans that are preferred walk-ons right. or whatever, you know? It's All right, like, so the Alabama fatigue, let's get to this for a second. So a lot of people are definitely Alabama fatigued, and they're like, oh, God, enough already, and I, I don't mean, like Nick Saban and his perpetual. Saban you know, is Lombardi. Annoyed. If they got to name the trophy the Saban Trophy. Oh, I, There's no doubt. That, He's that good. He's, yeah. he's 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 Lombardi. He's Belichick. He's Bear Bryant. He's all that wrapped up into one. I I guess as I've gotten older, Drew, have come to really appreciate greatness, like insane greatness. And so as I zoom out a bit and look at what Saban has done in Alabama and also Belichick in New England, I'm more in awe all the time that they keep winning at such a high level when everybody wants to beat their ass. I guess I'm more appreciative of that. Yeah, you have to be. But the critics, see, this is also because I'm not of college football. I didn't go to a Power 5 school where I painted my face and went to tailgates. and You don't worship at the University of Feinbaum. <laughs> right. I, I, I love college football, but I went to UC Santa Barbara that canceled football's Division Three program in 1992 and has never looked back. I'm not of college football. If you're of college football where you have a team and you have a stadium and you have legends and you've got history and you want to compete against the Alabamas, you look at Alabama and you go, these fucking cheaters, they're paying guys like Julio Jones. They're gray-shirting dudes all over the country, which should be illegal and shut down, but Nick Saban's finding a loophole around that. There is like seething anger at us. I get that. It's just that I, it doesn't affect me because I'm not of college That's football. Right. That's Does right. Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And then uh, another way to spin this is to the market. Uh, I've always ripped Atlanta for being a shitty sports town, but it's not. But it, it's just that there, there's no there there. No one's from Atlanta. The the right. Hawks and the Falcons. They're, they're city. When right. the Braves were good, people didn't get excited till the NLCS. You know, they didn't they didn't draw. There was no juice until it's a front running city. But the one constant has been Georgia football. That people like there. That's the number people one liked, thing in the market. Been, they haven't been that good all the time. Not since Herschel Walker, but they're still there, and they're kind of that's the one died well, in the wool thing. Well, like, Rick, yeah, Rick got them pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's like Phoenix good, to then me. They would always choke in whatever big game in November. It'd be on ESPN, like oh Georgia, they're undefeated, and it's a blackout game. They're wearing their alternate blacks, and then they'd get killed. Yep. So it's one of those markets. It's a sprawling, you know, a lot of transplants. It's like Phoenix to me because in Phoenix, the one team that people truly live and die with is the Suns, who've been horrible for a long time. But 
they that they are the first team, and that's the love, and that people are embedded. So that's the way I feel about Georgia football in Atlanta, and for them to take that nut shot last night after choking away the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, it's just unbelievable. Well, that's the thing. I I talked to my buddy lawyer Dave, who's down in Atlanta. I used to work with him many years ago at One on One Sports in Chicago. Huge sports fan. He's got seven kids. Good Catholic boy, uh, and you know, he, he, one of his kids is thinking about Georgia. I talked to him before the game, and I said jokingly, I said. What if Georgia builds a big lead like the Falcons and ends up pissing that away? Oh. And it wasn't a huge lead, 13 nothing, but it was still a lead and they still lost. It wasn't 28 to 3, but it's still as bad. It it is still a really bad loss. Yeah. But it's they'll be back. The no one's crying for Georgia. No, they um, got a lot of freshmen, and they're going to be good for a while. But they're going to have to again. The, the, their their season will culminate with a loss in the SEC championship game to Alabama. Yeah, I like I like the game a lot. I thought it had tons of drama. I think the the, the kid out of nowhere story is one of the great archetype stories in all of sports, and he was flat out stone cold. It was amazing. I feel redeemed though because I was ready to come on if it had been a boring game or if Bama had won by. 15 or 20 or something, I would have said, ah, you know, college football, they got to do something because that championship game doesn't have the sizzle. It's not the, you know, they had Kendrick Lamar last night, so now they have a halftime show. They're trying to make it the Monday night Super Bowl a month before the Super Bowl. Uh, they are, and they will. And it's, it's ESPN. It's what, getting what that way, and ESPN right? will put its weight behind it. Yeah, but until the game, I was it, it was running out of juice for me, okay. and now I well, feel redeemed. Maybe, so maybe I you, maybe you were maybe you're one of the regional lights. I was running right. on empty, and they maybe I pulled like, up to the pump ah, last it, night, it, and I got filled up. It's an league game. You're like it's an SEC game. What the fuck do I care? Right? Uh, probably an element of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to get over that. Dude. I'll admit it. Yeah, I'm over it now. I, 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 my Why spirit a... was on empty, and I pulled up to the pump, and they filled it up last night. Why you got to be a slave to geography, man? Just to celebrate the two best teams possible, and who cares where they're from? Well, and that, that gets into, okay, um, Central Florida. <laughs> the two best teams are oh. national champions, Central Florida. Now, I'm not going to – I don't want to go there, but the thing is, I, I keep going back to – Alabama was the fourth seed and almost didn't get in and wouldn't have had the Badgers not laid an egg against Ohio State. Yeah. You, would you be in favor of expanding? You know, I, I'm, I'm, of, I'm, I'm torn on that. I know we're supposed to have strong, hot takes. I could see going to eight, but if you go to eight, then nine and ten get fucked, and it's just there's no end to it, and you become but the NCAA nine and tournament. nine ten have a legitimate argument? Uh, it depends. I mean. No, but like really like. You're going to play that transitive game like, oh, we may have lost to Iowa, but we beat you by 20. The it's- further down the top 25 you go, I think the easier it is to tell anyone who's going to raise a voice, some BYU or Georgia Tech, to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I, I just, nobody cares about you as the ninth or tenth team. You really weren't going to win three games to win the whole thing. The Power Five champions should get in, and then three at large. I I think that's probably the ideal setup. Three at large. Yeah, have an eight team. Yeah. Oof. I, I see. That's one model people are pushing. I would. The only thing, and I think four is enough, frankly. But the only the only expansion I would be in favor of is to six with the top two teams getting a bye. Go to six and you take the power five plus the king of the unwashed. Okay. The, the Boise State non power five. Yes. Yeah. Whoever that is, they can in fact I would even let every non power five school collaborate to create their own ranking system so they have full control of who they send into the postseason fray. And then you have basically defined seats at the table every single year. And you get one for each of the conferences. 
And some years the Pac-12 is going to suck, and you're going to be like, why did we invite so, Washington State? There's two other SEC teams that are better. My feeling is, and I, I think this well, would be unpopular with fans, my feeling is it's not necessarily a tournament of the best teams in the country. It is a preset banquet of, okay, now we're going to see who's the best this year. Yeah, but then you you would eliminate the – Let's say Auburn know, and I'm Alabama. Eliminating, I'm eliminating potentially other much better teams yeah. in favor of an automatic seed, but here's my rationale behind that. It's never going to be perfectly fair and that there's always subjective judgments but, on who's better than somebody else. So this way you're defining a clear path for every school to so get to the banquet. Wh- in what the What you're saying is then if Alabama and Auburn are unbeaten, they meet in the uh, SEC. The Iron Bowl. Uh, the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl becomes then their, you know, or, or I guess we yes, wouldn't. this has happened before. Why can't it's, we have two teams from one conference, though? Because I don't want that. Because you don't want that. But it, <laughs> yeah, but the difference is between six and eight. All I'm doing is eliminating the buys, and some would say the buys not that big an advantage anyway. That's another argument as well. All right, let's yeah. keep it at four. Yeah. Fact, that's let's we'll go do. back to the BCS where we've got the Kali Matrix and the Dunkel Index. Oh God. And all the stupid polls sorting things out. Okay, let's uh, switch real quick for a few minutes here to the Packers situation. So. It looks like McCarthy has survived, that Russ Ball is not going to be the new GM. Elliot Wolf is out, probably. He's going to go interview with the Browns. It's all Gutenkust, and now it's all Murphy as well. Murphy's going to start visiting offices and going, hey, what you doing, man? Hey, what you doing, <laughs> Hey, what man? you doing? Hey, what you doing, man? Yeah. What do you think of this, Drew? Well, I think people are seeing it because of the way they announced it as a change in organizational structure where rather than having uh, the general managers in charge of the coach – and all the football operation, he reports to the president. It's a three-headed monster where Russ Ball, the numbers guy, Ron Gutekunst, the the GM, and Mike McCarthy report to Mark Murphy. Did you call him Ron Gutekunst? No, no, Brian. Oh, yeah. Okay. Brian Gutekunst. Sorry, I thought I heard Ron. Yeah, okay. Brian. Brian. So that's the Brian. thing. So then, um, so, so people see this as a power grab by Mark Murphy. What it is, in essence, to me, is a power grab by Mike McCarthy. Because he doesn't report to the GM, he reports to the president. Yeah, see, this I don't like because McCarthy is going to go, hey, man, why didn't we draft this guy? And he's going to be saying that to Murphy. So he's going to be at loggerheads at times with Gutekunst. And then when he's pissed at him, he's going to go to daddy, Murphy, and talk shit about and his The mind. idea is that they're going to have these meetings and do it out and hash it out in a weekly meeting. But that's, oh, meetings. Yeah, you know how that is. Oh. Yeah, a weekly meeting between oh, those three meetings, guys at the top. Drew. Yeah, because oh, that's what all corporations need is more fucking meetings. <laughs> meetings. But but here's the thing, though. Um, it, it's it, it almost seems it's a week ago, Mark Murphy said, yeah, we're going to hire a GM and he's going to have the, the power to hire and fire a coach. But did he real? does the GM really, do you think a GM could really move on a coach without Mark Murphy's uh, blessing, and without the executive committee's blessing, right? Can he can he move on a captain? Uh, so isn't it approval, just without approval from the boss? Yeah, is isn't what it? You're yeah, isn't it just semantics? Because I I think that there's no way, you know. Sure, if it, it's going to be a collaborative decision, if Brian Gutekunst decides, and now that what this does is it puts your guy Bob's big boy Mark, uh, you know Mike McCarthy, who you don't like, on Not the clock. Fan. He's got a two year deal. He's got a one year extension. If they fuck up, if Rogers gets hurt, or they somehow miss the playoffs again. He's out now because he's, you know, it, it, I think more this power grab, you know, he, he talked about fit. He basically, you know, muscled yeah. his way to get ball. They wanted to hire ball and you got, okay, you got the GM you want. All right. So if he's on the clock, McCarthy, 
what is his stay go bar for next year? NFC Championship game? Um, win a playoff game, probably. Assuming assuming Just, Rogers is healthy. Yeah, win the division and, and and win a playoff game probably is the bar I would think. So to keep, that would be to get another year. Right. So if you win the division and you win a playoff game, most likely you're not in the wild card because you'd be the second or th- it'd be the third or fourth division winner. Let's assume you'd get a bye. You would win your first round game and you'd be in the NFC title game. Yeah. So in other words, you have to appear in the NFC title game. You think otherwise McCarthy's got to go. Uh, otherwise, the drums will beat to a, a level that they never have here. Right, because, because you'd be like, bro, you're getting us close. You can't yeah. get us over the hump. Especially since now the idea was, and McCarthy was bitching because Ted didn't do anything. You know, He slept through free, free agency. agency. And now they're, they're allegedly going to be more active. So you're getting what you want, man. And Okay. Th- and so now Careful. you've got to Careful when you get what you want, right? Isn't that exactly. what the saying goes? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's a lot of palace intrigue, though. It was a lot of like House Baratheon stuff because you know we we thought last week that Russ Ball was going to get the gig. That's what everybody in the in- industry was saying. And then Gutekunst has a great interview on Friday while we were all doing shows, saying it was going to be Russ Ball. And then he goes to Houston, and they got a chance to lose him. And what it came down to is uh, Russ Ball, though he's highly regarded and probably would have been a decent GM, is not a flight risk. He wasn't going to leave. But if you made him GM, you would have lost Brian Gutekunst. You, you lose him, and now they're probably going to lose Elliot Wolf. But that's the cost of doing business. But the idea that you'd have that brain drain, and you know, they went with the better alternative. Yeah. I think. I think so. I think Mark Murphy made the right call. Well, when healthy, you still have the best damn quarterback on the planet. So and that's all that, that matters. Ought ca- that ought to carry you pretty far. That you start with eight wins, assuming he's healthy, and you build and, upwards from there. And which I is still a nice think way to be. for everybody with the hashtag Fire Thompson and they hated Ted. The the odds that Brian Gutekunst, the, the odds that he will match Ted's record of success, very slim. They're well, not going to make. Depends on how long. Depends on how long twelve plays for you. Well, exactly. And so I have you I, ever considered. 12 in a different uniform. I have, yes. And what's that vision like? It's the Nightmare, you know, it's right? very Farvian. It's uh, well, Montana, Rice. It's unsettling, isn't it? It's very rare. Peyton Manning. It's I, very rare I've, that guys I've finish. I've never even considered it. Yeah. Oh, even I have. I know intellectually that there's a chance that that happens. Don't you think it's like more than likely? I don't know because Rodgers is so private and he keeps all his cards so smashed to his chest. I don't know if he really wants to play somewhere I mean, else. You don't think he wants to finish in L.A. and just live at home and, and be that guy? Uh, maybe. On the back end? Uh, maybe. As long as the getting's good. With the brand-new Super Bowl stadium the, built out there in a couple of years. Yeah, the thing is, though, that they're, it's obviously not going to be money. They're about to, they'll redo his contract. He'll be the highest-paid guy for 10 seconds until Jared Goff comes up or somebody else and you know passes him by. That's the way it works. But I do consider him... You know, there's a chance that he'll play somewhere else. But the thing is, he has three or four years left at peak powers, maybe five, maybe if he's like Brady and does all the yoga and eats all the. He's 34 right now, right? Yeah. So five more years at peak powers. I would say. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, and that's and maybe more because he's cut out cheese out of his diet. And yeah, that, there you go. But then the thing that. is, though, can they maximize it? So in any event, we're on the back slope of the mountain. And right. you know, now Ted Thompson. Depressed. You talk Ted about Thompson has to be considered the end of the uh, college football season. I don't oh, I know. About this. I know. Well, it's you're it, the one that brought it up, Zabe. Okay, I know I brought it up. We're in the long, cold that. winter here. We're not used to this shit. We're we're used to having meaningful football played until meaningful football football's over. You know what? To quote Tony Soprano's mom, "Oh, 
Poor you. <laughs> <laughs> One bad season in a row. And Packer Nation's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. We hate this. We've never done this before. Well, get used to it like the rest of us. All right, Drew, you can follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Olson. MKE. MKE. At Drew Olson MKE. Listen to his show on the Big 920 up there in Milwaukee on iHeartRadio. And thank you, as always, for a little bit of extra bonus time. And we'll see you next week. Always fun, Zabe. All right, thanks to Drew for that run, extended run today. Good stuff, as always. Good insight on the Packers situation as well, and I don't think anybody really feels that bad for Packer fans that they have had to endure one angst-filled, uncertain offseason in which they were not in the playoffs. Boo freaking who. We'll leave you with this today, and this is from Beyond the World of Sports, and apparently some people had a problem with it. I don't, but I think it's funny. Apparently, Bernie Sanders likes nice coats. Bernie Sanders was spotted sporting a $700 winter coat on Monday during the swearing-in of New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's, I guess, second term in office. The socialist was cozy and warm in a $690 Burton 2LLZ down jacket. Afterwards, Sanders joked about the weather, which was in the teens. By Vermont standards, this is warm and a pleasant afternoon. Now, people quickly jumped on this, calling him a hypocrite because here's a guy that is screaming about socialism and injustice and blah, 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 and he's wearing a $700 jacket. $700 for a jacket is ridiculous. I would say my outer limits for any jacket is $200, and it better be actual leather. I have a nice leather three-quarters winter coat, like a three-quarter coat that goes down over my ass, like I'm a fat sorority girl really a fat middle-aged man but yeah it's uh it's a coat i haven't worn in a long time and i'm like god this this coat is really nice it's very warm obviously i'm wearing straight cow homie and it looks good if i wasn't so fat i don't think that thing cost more than 200 bucks i think that leather coat cost um something under that i think i got out of the outlets Whatever the case, I'm sure they're make the Burton that coat he was wearing. I'm sure it was a snowboarder coat of some sort, and I'm sure it had all kinds of high tech fabrics and moisture wicking this and Gore Tex and everything else. But six hundred and ninety dollars, really? Either way, the defenders of Bernie Sanders say that democratic socialism is an ideology that seeks systemic change and rejects the idea that there are individual consumer choices that could correct a system centered on economic exploitation. In other words. Forget what we buy and do. That has nothing to do with us wanting to overthrow capitalism. Okay. The feeling is that there's no amount of progressive purchasing habits, whether it's buying a Toyota Prius or uh, only uh, engaging in fair trade coffee, uh, can change that. That there is no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism. So while you are railing to upend capitalism and the ability for the Burton company... Burton snowboards, Burton outerwear, whatever, to set, to manufacture, market, and sell a $690 coat to people of means who can buy one, who want the finest coat possible. That system, which most of us see as the most wonderful miracle on earth, as the greatest way to live possible under as free men in a democratic society, that system. They still want to overthrow it, even though Bernie Sanders is like, I like this coat. I like it. It's good. It's got layers. It's breathable. It doesn't get me all hot inside. It's just perfect. Uh, 
It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. I would think that if I was going to be Bernie Sanders and be a hardcore socialist, I would walk the walk. I wouldn't have three homes. I wouldn't be wearing a $700 coat. I wouldn't necessarily be wearing a burlap sack stuffed with hay to the swearing of de Blasio, but I'd be a little bit more circumspect about the coat. Hell, my wife is trying to give away my coats in the closet. She's like, can I, can I donate some of these coats? I go, what are you talking about? I said, she said, you got all these coats. You got, you got 10 coats in the closet. And I'm like, I have six coats, maybe seven. But I like them all, and I don't want to get rid of them. Although I should give at least one or two to a coat drive. That's a worthy thing. Give your unneeded coats to a coat drive. Many of my coats I have given away because they were promotional items, stuff that you know we got Super Bowls we went to or other stuff like that. But I can't see $700 for a coat. Now, $700 for perhaps a Sony FE mount 50-millimeter 1.8 lens, the old nifty 50 uh, with the very high aperture rate and uh, the great shallow depth of field for 700 bucks, Oh, yeah. I can definitely see that. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. And tell two friends about the Zabecast every day, Monday through Friday, 30-plus, 40 minutes or so. I don't know how long today's is going to run. It might be bonus. Uh, but we appreciate you stopping in and listening. Make sure to subscribe. Tell two friends about it. And we will see you next time.